you're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Welcome to the Telltale Podcast. Thank you guys for coming. Today, we're going to be covering a survivor recounting her experiences being basically attacked by a uh, a cult in Panama. We're going to be talking about Paula White and some really, really strange things that she said recently relating to satanic pregnancies. We're going to be talking about the Pledge of Allegiance and a mayor refusing to say it because he's upset with Trump. And finally, we're going to be touching on the Lutheran Church reinstating a gay pastor who was kicked out decades ago. But before we get into all of that, why don't we give some voicemails a listen and uh, and see what the audience has to say. Hi. Uh, hi, Telltale. Um, I'm wondering if you will ever um, do a video about um, how to recognize if you have a cult-like mindset and how to recognize if um, people around you have a cult-like mindset or if a group, even if it's not a cult, might have a cult-like mindset. Um Thank you. Bye. That's a really good question, actually. Um, and, and I know this is going to be controversial, so I apologize ahead of time. But I did a video on my main channel recently about veganism. And the points that I made, whether you're a vegan or not, the points that I made in that video actually apply really well generally. I wish I hadn't even made it about veganism. I wish I'd made those points outside of veganism because I feel like that video is extremely valuable just completely outside of that anyways. And I'm disappointed that a lot of my audience had it colored by their personal biases toward this thing or that thing. So I don't know, maybe I'll basically redo the veganism video except replace the word vegan with Jehovah's Witness or something. But try giving that video a watch because I thought it was really fascinating and I put a lot of work into that, so. Hi, my name is Ariel Rojas, Telltale Atheist. I have a friend who is a Jehovah's Witness, well, a non-baptized one, and he's asking me, should I stay with my parents with Jehovah's Witnesses or not? Because very recently he came out and he said that he is pansexual, and he is 100% terrified that he is going to lose contact with his parents, but not his brother. Because his brother did not get baptized to be in Jehovah's Witness because he's taking on a higher education and he is celebrating holidays. So do you have anything that I can try saying to my good friend? If you get this message, please um, reply on YouTube. Thank you. Okay, so to summarize... From my understanding, you're saying that you have a, a friend who is a Jehovah's Witness, but they're not baptized. That's a good thing, that they're not baptized. That means that they're not obligated to shun him or her or whoever if they end up leaving the religion. So if this person is unbaptized and they decide they don't believe it, they can just walk away and still talk to their family members and everything else, no problem. It does largely depend on the family, though, because, for example, you know, there's nothing in the rules that states that my mom can't talk to me. She wouldn't get in any trouble for talking to me. But culturally, 
part of the the Jehovah's Witness culture is to shun family members, even though you don't have to technically. So they may end up shunning this person anyways, even though they weren't baptized. The best advice I can give you is just try to be there and be just be there for this person as best you can support them and try to get them to do things that are outside of the Jehovah's Witness comfort zone. Try to get them to celebrate holidays with you and try to get that. It sounds like they're pursuing higher education. That's a good thing. That's a plus. Try to get them to do things that are outside of that comfort zone, uh, slowly and gradually moving them away from the dogma. Hi, Telltale. This is Helen. And I was calling to ask you about some of your favorite fictional cults or cult religions that have appeared in other types of media. For example, Gilead from The Handmaid's Tale or like The Fellowship of the Sun from True Blood. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Thank you. I actually heard this voicemail earlier, kind of screening my voicemails, and, and I thought on this. I can't think of a single like fictional cults that I, I really looked into. I know that Far Cry 5, I think, has a cult in it. Um, I know True Blood does, but I never actually watched True Blood, or maybe I watched it, but I don't even remember it anymore. There are a lot of like movies and TV shows and video games and things that have fictional cults. Somehow I keep avoiding these games and these movies and stuff. I don't know how this is happening. But I have noticed... Um, in one of the shows that I was watching recently, The Walking Dead, we got to season seven. Uh, my girlfriend and I got to season seven. And I'm not going to spoil anything if you guys want to watch it through or whatever. But uh, personally, I would not recommend watching past season six. Just finish out six and just end it there. Because it was extremely disappointing and it only gets worse. But I noticed one of the groups, like one of the living groups in The Walking Dead, has a lot of really... They have a loyalty to the leader that, that's very disturbing. Like, they refer to themselves as the leader's name. Like, they say that my name is blah. My name is Negan. I am Negan. We're all Negan. And he kind of forces people to have like this this mindset breaks them down and builds them back up in his image it's very very fascinating to watch knowing what i know about cults hey telltale this is alex from california i just wanted to ask you what are your thoughts on pastafarianism in case you are not familiar with it it's um a parody religion created to um to basically um, criticize the school district for trying to add creationism as a as kind of a um, um, different option over um, evolution. Then later, the movement of pastoralism evolved to try to fight, evolved for atheists to try to fight and try to get the same rights that certain religious groups have, for example, like wearing certain, wearing um, hats or whatnot during photos at um uh, the DMV or whatnot. That's it. Just wanted to know what your thoughts on on that were. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. That isn't an, an interesting question, actually. Basically, th there's this story of how Pastafarianism came to be, or Pastafarianism, I guess. 
And that sums it up pretty well. Uh, pretty much, it was created by somebody who was who felt like felt like they they were trying to quote unquote teach the controversy with creationism and evolution and all that other stuff. So they created the Pastafarian movement, and it has gotten some level of traction legally because you know it's considered a religion. So they get the protections that a religion would get. For example, wearing hats during DMV pictures and things like that. If it's a religious belief, then they're allowed to do it. Now, obviously, I, I'm pretty confident that most people who are Pastafarian, they, you know, it, it's a mock religion. Like, it's pretend, and everybody knows it is, and it was created that way in the first place. So I don't think that there are actually any legitimate religious beliefs behind it. But... There's Satanism, and some non-theistic Satanist groups kind of do a similar thing, where Christian groups will put Ten Commandments statues up at courthouses, for example. And non-theistic Satanist groups will come in and put up, like, Baphomet statues right next to the Ten Commandments. The courthouse, or the government, can force the Satanists to take that statue down. But if they do they have to force the Christians to take down the Ten Commandments statue also. So uh, I think movements like that are actually really helpful uh, to keep religion in check, basically. It's just obnoxiously out of control in some ways, in some areas. So I am glad that Pastafarianism exists. I am glad that, th that non-theistic Satanists exist as a religion, and I appreciate the work that they do. Hey, Owen, this is Tyler from uh, Nevada. I was just calling because uh, I really wanted to know your opinions on the more white-collar uh, cults, um, the ones that aren't necessarily religious. I've got a few coworkers um, who've pretty much fallen head over heels into one in my area, and they just seems very sketchy. It seems very you know, almost pyramid scheme, very manipulative, very degrading. So yeah, I just really wanted to get your opinion on those. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the call. When you say white-collar cults, I think I could be wrong, but I, th I assume what you're talking about is MLMs or multi-level marketing schemes, basically, because you mentioned the pyramid scheme aspect of it. Technically, MLMs or multi-level marketing schemes are not pyramid schemes, if you want to be technical. And from my understanding, you can actually, or I probably, can actually be sued for calling, say, Young Living a pyramid scheme or, or you know, some other essential oils or Mary Kay, some other makeup company or whatever. If I call them a pyramid scheme publicly, I can be sued for that. So, I don't, you know, they're not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's a multi-level marketing scheme. The difference between multi-level marketing and pyramid scheme is with pyramid schemes, there is no product, from my understanding. With multi-level marketing, there is a product that you are selling. So it's multi-level distribution type of thing. Now, as to your question, what do you think about those? Because some coworkers are pretty much falling head over heels for one in your area. They're really, really toxic, and they can be very cult-like too. And in fact, Stephen Hassan, the guy who wrote The Bite Model has talked about um, multi-level marketing schemes as cults. So I have no hesitation 
in calling them cults, some of them. Young Living, for example, extremely harmful group who is very toxic and pushes straight-up lies sometimes, like straight-up untruthful things. They, for a while, were claiming that they were that their essential oils would cure cancer and cure all kinds of other things, and they were told to stop that. Legally, they were served a cease and desist notice by the government, and if they didn't, then they were going to jail them or fine them for a lot of money. As far as I know, it's kind of a constant battle going back and forth. Like sometimes they label their stuff with that. Sometimes they'll catch some of the employees, quote unquote, going out and claiming that stuff about the essential oils. It is illegal for them to claim that it does something that it does not do. False advertising. Um, so yeah, it's extremely harmful. And I appreciate you bringing attention to that. It, it is a very important issue. Hi, I'm wondering why do you think that women are the minority in atheism? That's a really good question. Why are women the minority in atheism? And honestly, I don't have a solid answer for that. I don't know why that is. In fact, a lot, like a part of me wonders why women are are a minority just in atheist YouTubers. Like, we've got Shannon Q, we've got Rachel Oates, and we've got some other women who are uh, YouTubers. But largely, it's it's largely made up of men, and I don't know why that is. I wish that we could figure out some way to kind of have some kind of an outreach because women make up, you know, 50% of the population. If we could get some kind of an outreach to reach other groups of people who we aren't currently reaching right now, I'd be a lot happier. So I'll keep trying anyways. And I know a lot of my colleagues will also continue trying, Mr. Atheist and others. Um, I can give my state, but not so much my name. I live here, down here in Texas. Um, j just out of curiosity, um, I've started to hear about a new form of Christianity popping up that's not quite like Scientology but has to do with science. And people are saying that what science describes as things like the Big Bang, um, the Red Sea, all that other such, science explains the physical side of it, but God was the one that put it into action. Um, I can understand that, kind of, but I want to see your take on it. Uh, thank you. Interesting question. Once again, thank you for the voicemail. I appreciate that. There is a conflict between religion and science in the U.S. Right now, uh, we have 40, I don't remember what the percentage is, 40 to 44 percent or something, last I checked, of the country believes that Noah's Ark was a real, literal story, that the earth is less than 10,000 years old. That is in direct conflict with science. That's just not factual, period. Let's back up to the original question that this person has. Is it possible that God's kind of kicked it into gear and started the Big Bang and, and made evolution happen? That is possible. But now you're engaging in something called the God of the Gaps argument. Okay, so th this is the God of the Gaps uh, Wikipedia page. God of the Gaps is a theological perspective in which gaps in scientific knowledge are taken to be evidence or proof of God's existence. The term gaps was initially used by Christian theologians, 
not to discredit theism, but rather to point out the fallacy of relying on theological arguments for God's existence. We can say maybe God kicked the Big Bang into being. Maybe God, maybe God started the Big Bang, but how far back are we going to go with this? You know, what if we, we discover exactly how the Big Bang happened? Maybe the Big Bang isn't exactly how it happened. What do we say then? Why do we even need God in the equation? What does God have to do with any of this? We don't need God as a part of this equation. It's possible that maybe some God did it, but first you're going to have to prove to me that a God exists in the first place, and we'll go from there. That's kind of my take on it. It seems kind of ridiculous to me, honestly, that to think that a God is taking part in anything on earth or kicking anything into being or whatever. Sure, maybe. Maybe he did kick the Big Bang into, into being. Maybe he did guide evolution. Who fucking knows? But it, it, I'm not going to sit here and assert that he did. Show me evidence that it, that it happened that way and I'll believe it. There is evidence for the Big Bang. I'm going to accept that evidence uh, because it's strong. There's no strong evidence telling me that God is real and he loves us and all of this other junk follows our lives, answers our prayers. No strong evidence for that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a survivor recounting a confused, chaotic cult rite that killed seven people in Panama. Give us about 30 seconds. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. So the first article I wanted to take a look at is called Survivor Recounts Confused Chaotic Cult Right That Killed Seven. I saw this come up in the news recently. It Apparently it happened in Panama, and they're still recovering. This woman survived this crazy ordeal and told her story. So let's give the article a read. It's by uh, the Associated Press, I believe, by Juan... Zamorano, APNews.com. So let's read it and see what it has to say. A survivor of the cult ceremony that killed her daughter and six other people in a remote village in Panama says she was ordered to close her eyes, was beaten, and knocked unconscious during the ritual. The account Monday by Dina Blanco suggests the 14 surviving participants were helpless, bound, unconscious, or sightless much of the time. So the truth about what happened in the bizarre ceremony may only come out at the trials of the nine villagers charged with killing their neighbors in the hamlet of El Tarone last week. Blanco said from her hospital bed in the nearest city, Santiago, that she had gone to previous prayer meetings at the improvised church in a long wooden shed before. But this time, the tone had changed, and she didn't go willingly. The cult, which had operated in the village for about three months, changed after a member had a vision telling the lay preachers they had been anointed to exterminate unbelievers. Jesus Christ. Blanco, 24, said a neighbor, Olivia, came to call her to the meeting of the New Light of God sect on January 13th, saying she would have to come whether you like it or not. So she went, along with her nine-year-old daughter, who had epilepsy. 
her 15-year-old son, and her father. Her father and her son managed to escape. Blanco and her daughter, Inez, were not so lucky. When they arrived, they were told not to open their eyes and to grab each other's hands and pray. The worshippers felt they were physically in the presence of the Lord. I felt something hit my head, and then I don't know what happened to me. I dropped to my knees, said the short, dark-haired Blanco. Authorities say cult members used Bibles, cudgels, and machetes to hit the congregants. Blanco still bears a broad bruise across her forehead from whatever hit her. So they used Bibles. That tells me that it's a Christian cult at the very least. It's not a Muslim cult or anything like that. I don't know why, but honestly, I find Christian cults more fascinating than Muslim cults, even though some Muslim cults are genuinely more bizarre than Christian cults in in a lot of ways sometimes. I think the reason is because I was raised in Christianity, and so it kind of connects with me in a way that Islam or Islamic cults just don't really connect with me. I don't know. I I guess that's probably the reason. So let's continue reading here. When I came to, they kept telling me not to open my eyes, she recalled. I heard drums, an accordion, screams, crying. I was tied up. An accordion? Who uses an accordion nowadays? Those are like the worst instruments ever. My grandma plays the accordion really, really well, too. Actually, interesting story. My grandma uh, had to basically have surgery on her fingers, like years and years and years ago. She had surgery on her fingers. I don't know. Something went wrong with the tendons. And so they basically just kind of fused the bones together so she doesn't have joints anymore in, in a couple of her fingers. She asked them to fuse the bone so that the finger was like bent downward like this so she could still play the accordion. She fucking loves that thing. Anyways, uh, back to the uh, back to the article. I heard drums, an accordion, screams, crying. I was tied up. Authorities say some of the congregants had been forced to strip and walk across glowing embers. Holy hell! If you don't know how to walk across, if you don't know how to do a firewalk, then you will get your skin will straight up melt off. Seriously. But they say you're supposed to walk across the embers. Uh, staring straight forward, just like you were walking down a sidewalk. You don't want to stomp. You don't want to run. You want to take one step and then the next step and then the next step lightly. Just do it with confidence. If you stomp or run, you're going to drive the embers into your feet even deeper. If they're having just random people do this who have zero experience with firewalking, it's wrong. That is straight up wrong. But the worst was yet to come. Late that night, or in the early morning hours of the 14th, a sect member approached and told her that her daughter Inez had died. The birds of the field shall dispose of her body, the voice said. See, that that line right there is fascinating to me, too, because, again, that's a Bible quote. The, the whole birds of the field thing, in fact, that's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe is that after Armageddon, when everybody who isn't an active believing, practicing Jehovah's Witness is dead, they believe that birds are going to come and eat all of the bodies. That's in the Bible. There's a verse that kind of heavily implies it. So that's that line right there that the cult cited is straight from the Bible. In fact, Inez, like Blanco's pregnant neighbor and five of her children, had been murdered during the ritual, by some accounts decapitated and their naked bodies slung into hammocks and dumped in a freshly dug common grave in the village cemetery. 
Nine of the ten lay, uh, I'm sorry, nine of the ten lay preachers detained last week have been charged with murder and kidnapping. Good. I hope they sit in jail for the rest of their lives. Bibles still lay open and musical instruments lay scattered over the weekend in the shed where the killings took place. Religion drives people to do crazy things, man. Honestly, these people were probably very, very mentally disturbed to begin with. And religion just acted as the excuse that they needed and made the, the illness that they were battling worse. So I can't blame religion for this entirely, but it set them down a path and allowed them to walk that path. That's one of the downsides to religion, one of the many downsides to religion, is that people who are not entirely connected to reality will risk becoming completely unconnected. People who are connected to reality risk becoming unconnected in many ways, so... Really fucking sad. Really sad. I'm so sorry for this woman. Indigenous leader Evangelisto Santo has said that during the ceremony, people were dancing and singing and nobody paid attention because we knew that they were in the presence of God. But for Blanco, God was not among those present. For me, it was hate that was there, she said. El Tarone is nestled in the jungle of the indigenous Nagabe Bugal enclave on Panama's Caribbean coast. I know there's a Panamanian out there who's screaming at their screen right now. You're getting this wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm doing my best with the names. Uh, (laughs) Forgive me, please. And it's largely cut off from the outside world. It's 300 residents must walk hours along steep and muddy narrow roads to hail boats that can transport them along a river to other villages that have electricity, telephones, health clinics, and a police presence. I'm amazed that there's no police presence in this city, and this woman still escaped. I feel for this woman so deeply. I'm so sorry that she had to go through this. Losing a daughter, they say that's the worst pain that you can that a human being can experience is losing a child. I I feel for her so deeply. I'm so sorry for her. She's she survived. She made it through this. But she is incomplete because her daughter is gone. So sorry for her. I wish I could help people like this for real. In the city of Santiago, Blanco must still undergo scans to rule out internal injuries. She has bruises on her abdomen, back, and hands from the beatings. But what hurts most is in her heart. I imagine so. She was a disabled girl, she said of Inez. I spent a lot of time on her. I brought her I bought her pills to treat her illness that cost three dollars, a huge amount for impoverished farmers in Panama's poorest region. Now I won't have her at home anymore, Blanco said. That is the greatest pain I have. I'm so sorry for her. I just wish I could help in some way. Maybe I'm helping just by raising awareness about this stuff. I'll tell you what, I'm going to leave it on that note. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Paula White and some really weird stuff about satanic pregnancies. So give us about 30 seconds. We will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. 
So the next article I wanted to take a look at is entitled Christians Must Pray That Satanic Pregnancies End in Miscarriage. This is something that Paula White famously said recently. In fact, I think Satanic Pregnancies was trending on Twitter. And, I, you know, I wasn't even going to cover this story until I found out how big it was. Like, holy hell. It's a fascinating story, but I was like, this is a, just a fringe thing. This isn't a big thing, right? No, it's huge. This is big. Let's read the article. We'll start out by reading the article, and then we'll watch the video. This is by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheists blog on Patheos. It says, Around the same time White House spiritual advisor Paula White was telling lies about how prayer reduced crime after 9-11, she was also stepping up her calls for prayers for the president. So this isn't like a tiny, this isn't just a fringe thing. This isn't just some, you know, some nutbag running around saying crazy stuff. That's not what this is. This is the spiritual advisor to the White House. Apparently, Secret Service can't do much to shield Trump from the animal kingdom and so-called satanic pregnancies. This is a quote from Right Wing Watch. Presidential spiritual advisor Paula White takes authority over the marine kingdom, the animal kingdom, and all satanic pregnancies that seek to harm Trump or the church. We cancel every surprise from the witchcraft, any spirit of control, any Jezebel. We come against the marine kingdom. We come against the animal kingdom. We break the power in the name of Jesus. We command any satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now. I don't even know what to say right now. This is like baffling. I swear. What is happening? What is this? I don't, I don't understand. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Well, that's new says Beth Stoneburner. Let's work through that last line. Did any evangelicals gasp while hearing it? Aren't they the ones who are pro-life in all cases? That's a good point. That's a really good point. How come they oppose abortions even in cases of rape while literally praying for them when Satan's the dad? Someone explain that logic. That is a good point. What counts as a satanic pregnancy anyways? Is that the opposite of a virgin birth? Are we talking about pregnant Satanists? Is that a new nickname for all liberals? Whatever the explanation, if you're looking for further proof that Trumpism is a cult, this is Exhibit A. Um, okay. I know a lot about cults. To be fair, that's not evidence that it's a cult. It's just evidence that it's fucking weird. Um, but... I am willing to say that Donald Trump is the leader of a very strong cult-like mindset, and I would go as far as to say it's a cult. I agree with you for the most part. I wanted to listen to the actual video. Uh, this is back on my Twitter account here. Let's play the video and see what this woman was actually saying, because there's a lot to dissect here. Hey, 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 we interrupt that which has been deployed to hurt the church in this season, that which has been deployed to hurt this nation in the name of Jesus. Forgive us for our sins. Come on, I need you guys to pray. We cancel every surprise from the witchcraft. And the I'm, I'm just going to pause it here. Watch, watch the people on screen. Um, so I don't know if you guys can see my mouse or not, but right here, let me shake it. Right here in the bottom right corner of this video uh, is a woman that's kind of swaying side to side. That is evidence of a trance-like state. 
And you see Pentecostals get into that a lot. And it's one of the markers of a cult on the bite model. Um, putting people into a trance-like state like that is a, is a marker of a cult. So watch the audience and watch them swaying as she talks. In the marine kingdom, any hex, any spell, any witchcraft, any spirit of control, so any swaying. Jezebel, anything that the enemy desires through, through spells, through witchcraft, through any way. Look at this guy's hand up here. He's, he, he's kind of got his hands raised like this, and he's swaying like this. Trance-like state. That is manipulation, demonic manipulation. We curse that. We break it according to the word of God. In the name of Jesus, we come against the marine kingdom. We come against the animal kingdom. Any, the woman that rides upon the waters, we break the power in the name of Jesus. And we declare that any strange winds, any strange winds that have been sent to hurt the church, sent against this nation, sent against our president, sent against myself, sent against others, we break it by the superior blood of Jesus right now in the name of Jesus we arrest every infirmity affliction fatigue weariness weakness fear look at her look at her she's reading off of a she's reading off of a piece of paper so this isn't kind of just making it up off the top of her head here this is like I can see her saying really really bizarre things just because she's also in this trance like state I can see that that would make sense to me if she's just kind of spouting off nonsense like people kind of do that especially Pentecostals when they're in this state, when they're preaching like this, they're just spouting off nonsense. All that really matters is that people are in that state with them. Um, but she's reading from a script right now. She, the things she's saying were intended. She intended to say this stuff. This was like written down and she's like, you know what? Yeah, I, I want to call out the marine animals. I think they're wrong. Yeah, I'm calling out the animal kingdom. I can't believe they did that shit to Trump. I'm calling them out. Did you see that bird attack him when he was trying to eat his taco or whatever the hell it was? I'm calling out the animal kingdom. I don't give a shit. Let's keep watching this woman. Fatigue, weariness, weakness, fear, sickness, any self-righteousness, any self-serving action, God. Let pride fall. Let pride fall. Let pride fall. Let okay, three times. Repeating it three times. Let pride fall. Thank you. I didn't hear her the first two times. I'm glad she said it a third time because I wouldn't have caught on if she hadn't. Let pride fall in the name of Jesus. We command all satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now. We declare that anything that's been conceived in satanic wombs, that it'll miscarry. It will not be able to carry forth any plan of destruction. Any what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm baffled. I don't understand. I need more. I need an explanation. I just, I don't, I honestly, I don't even know what to say about this woman outside of what I've already said. Like, this is extremely baffling to me. And she's the president's advisor, spiritual advisor. This is like extremely bizarre. You think that this is like a fringe case, but like I said, it's not. Like, this is so extremely common to see things like this. This is kind of right out of the Pentecostal playbook, honestly, like the kind of rambling and the swaying like that with people in that type of trance state. This is just I, I'm very sure that she's from some kind of a Pentecostal denomination, just based on everything that I saw the audience doing and the way that she was speaking and everything. I'm sure of it. Maybe somebody in my audience knows what denomination she was from specifically, but I would be willing to bet it's some type of Pentecostal. 
Tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the mayor of a town removing the Pledge of Allegiance from meetings. Give us about 30 seconds. We will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. California mayor removes Pledge of Allegiance from meetings because Trump is the worst. Now, this is a really fascinating story right at its face for me, because first of all, as a young Jehovah's Witness, I was not allowed to say the Pledge of Allegiance, obviously. And I found it extremely fascinating that this person is removing the Pledge of Allegiance from meetings because, quote unquote, Trump is the worst. That, that, I guess that was the reason that they cited or whatever. This article is by Hemant Mehta on his blog, and it was written on January 26th. Let's give it a read. Ford Green, the mayor of San Anselmo, California, just pulled a move designed to infuriate conservatives who prefer symbols of patriotism over actual love of the country. He decided unilaterally to end the practice of saying the Pledge of Allegiance at town council meetings. Why? Because it's a mindless ritual and because Donald Trump is an ass. My first reaction to this was... This is kind of stupid. When you say the Pledge of Allegiance, you're not pledging your allegiance to Donald Trump. You're saying the pledge to the United States of America, right? So the fact that there is a leader in right now that you don't like doesn't mean that you should cut the entire thing out. But then I got to thinking a little bit deeper. And why the fuck do we say the Pledge of Allegiance? It seems really, really weird to me that we say the pledge in the first place. I've never actually said the Pledge of Allegiance before out loud. I don't, not that I remember anyway. So this is my first time saying it. The only reason I know it is because I used to have to sit through it every morning in school. So here, here's how it goes as far as I can remember it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Nothing in there about the president. Nobody's pledging to the president. But why are we pledging allegiance to something like that? That seems, as it says here, it, it, it just seems like a mindless ritual. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I mean... I'm heavily involved in like psychology and cult research and things. I do not like the fact that the Pledge of Allegiance exists like that, like mindlessly pledging your allegiance to a group or organization or anything like that is is a step in the wrong direction as far as I'm concerned. So I feel like this guy did the right thing, cutting the Pledge of Allegiance out of town council meetings, but he did it for the wrong reasons. The pledge isn't about Donald Trump. It's about the United States. So anyway, let's continue reading. This is a quote from the mayor, I believe. Green said after the meeting, his decision to dump the pledge is intended to demonstrate his continuing disdain for President Donald Trump. In October 2017, Green began taking a knee during the Pledge of Allegiance at any event he attended, including council meetings. Regarding his decision to remove the pledge from the town council's routine, Green said, For my taste, it's a little too rote an action. 
It smacks too much of mindless obedience in a time when independent thinking and independent municipal action is at a premium because there is so little happening on the federal level. Over the course of the last two years, as I've been taking a knee, I turn around and look at everybody, Green said. People's hearts don't really seem to be in it. They're just doing something out of custom. What's the point? 100% agree with him on that. Definitely agree with that entire thing. Except, I wish he hadn't said that it was because of his continuing disdain for Donald Trump. I have disdain for Donald Trump. I do not like Trump. I talk about that every week on the podcast, practically. I can't stand the dude. He's obnoxious. He's a bully. He's no better than a schoolhouse bully. Seriously. He's just, there's no intelligent thought in the guy's head. He's all fluff and powerful and all about might and putting your foot down and walking all over people. I don't give a shit about that. Like, I I want the country to thrive and flourish and progress and do better, make scientific advancements. I don't give a shit if you can have a dick swinging contest with Iran. I, I don't want that. I want to make scientific progress. Why can't we work with Iranian scientists on things to, to make progress in society instead of yelling at each other and swinging our dicks around? It's just stupid. The, just the whole philosophy that Trump holds to is stupid as dog shit to me. I can't stand it. So anyway, I have disdain for the guy too. I don't like the guy either, but um, the flag is unconnected to that. Or, or saying the Pledge of Allegiance is unconnected to that. Um, I'll probably get hate for that position, but that's what it is. I, I will never stand up in front of a flag and say the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I doubt I ever will. I'll cross my heart. I don't even know which hand to do. I think it's the left hand. Last time I did the wrong hand because I'd never done it before. Uh, during the Star Spangled Banner, like where they were singing the song and everything, and I had no idea which hand it was, and it turns out it's like offensive to do the wrong hand. And uh, my ex was there, and she was like, you're using the wrong hand. Like, put the correct hand over. I don't remember which one it is now. I'll just wait an extra, like, three seconds until it actually gets into the song next time and see what everyone else is doing. So I, I will cross my heart, like I was saying. I, w I will cross my heart with whatever hand it happens to be, but I won't say it. It's just mindlessly repeating the same garbage over and over again. Same custom. I think it's stupid and I think it's wrong. So anyway, let's continue reading. I don't know anything about this man, but I love this man. This was by Hemant Mehta, by the way, himself. The rest of the town council, however, didn't approve of his action. At the very least, they'll have a more formal discussion about the pledge at their next meeting on February 11th. Perhaps they have a point there, but sometimes you need someone to shake up the system a little bit in order to move the discussion forward. Even if the pledge remains on the agenda, at least this gets a worthwhile conversation going about the purpose of a de facto prayer that adds nothing of value to these meetings. I can definitely agree on that point. Really fascinating take by Hemant Mehta. I'm glad I decided to uh, give this article a read. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Lutheran Church reinstating a gay pastor. So give us about 30 seconds and we will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. 
So the next article I wanted to take a look at is by Beth Stoneburner, and it is on the Friendly Atheist blog. The title of it is Lutheran Church Reinstates Gay Pastor Who Was Kicked Out Decades Ago. So let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. In 1978, Ralph Karl Wuschke became an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. Years later, after coming out as gay, he left his position, assuming there was no path forward. Even when he hoped he could lead a church again, the ELCIC told him his only option was to take a vow of celibacy. He refused to do that. By 1988, there was a formal policy blocking openly gay people who weren't celibate from leading a church. Huh, interesting. So I guess pastors in the Lutheran Church are not expected to be celibate. That's actually, that's new. Uh, not new. That's new to me is what I mean. That's new to me. I didn't realize that they, I thought that pastors in the Lutheran Church had to be celibate, but I guess only if you're gay. That's, that's kind of bullshit. Wooshki decided to leave the denomination altogether, taking up a post with the far more inclusive United Church of Canada. Good. You know what? If there's a more inclusive church that could use his services, do it. The ELCIC's anti-gay policy didn't get rescinded until 2011. That's a long time. And this week, Wooshki was officially reinstated. Think of it as a religious pardon for someone who didn't do anything wrong. Gay marriage and just generally gay acceptance for a lot of us is just kind of like an obvious thing. Like, yeah, of course people should be able to get married to who they love. Why would anybody want to stand in the way of that? That's absolutely preposterous. But back in like 2010, 2009, 2008, 2005, it was not that well accepted. In fact, President Obama and Hillary Clinton were against gay marriage for years. I don't think Hillary Clinton came out in favor of gay marriage until like 2011 or somewhere in there. And you can say, you know, that's just Hillary Clinton being Hillary Clinton, and she didn't flip on that issue until a really long time. But no, Hillary Clinton goes with the tides generally. She goes with the political tides, whatever is politically advantageous. Gay marriage generally in society was not acceptable, really, until 2011 or somewhere in there. And that's when she flipped, when social tides also flipped. So 2011 seems like an obnoxiously late date to be accepting gay pastors. And it, it honestly is. There should have never been an issue in the first place. But societally that's about the right time period roughly that's that's give or take when society started accepting gay marriage for the most part this is a quote from wooshki it was really the culmination of a lifelong dream for me wooshki told as it happens host carol off i was received back with great joy that's really good news for him i'm glad that he can uh, play the cards that he was dealt basically you'd say that Wooshki is the first pastor to be welcomed back to the church since it changed its rules to allow for LGBTQ clergy in 2011. Wow, that long? It's been since 2011. He's the only one. That's kind of concerning. Uh, but you got to start somewhere, I guess. I see it as an important step in our commitment to full inclusion of the LGBTQ LGBTQ2SIA plus community. That's a long acronym. 
I just go with LGBTQ or LGBT, and I figure it's this is probably controversial. I figure I figure it's assumed that I include all of the other letters because I don't actually know what the two means. Does it mean queer and questioning? Is it QQ? I'm not sure what the S is. I know A is asexual. Anyway, I should probably learn more about this. But at any rate, I just stick with LGBTQ if possible. I see it as an important step in our commitment to full inclusion of the LGBTQ community within our church and for equal rights and justice within the whole of society, Reverend Susan C. Johnson, the ELCIC's national bishop, said in an emailed statement. It's a good sign. So she's the ELCIC's national bishop, and it looks like she's pretty progressive. That's a good sign. I'm glad to see that. The symbolic acceptance of Wushki is long overdue. Better late than never, in Wushki's mind. Though it could be argued that the reinstatement of priests hardly makes up for the decades of suffering the church put them through. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. But you know what? Like I said, society moves in certain directions, and it moves entirely too slowly. And 2011 is around the time when society was was moving in that direction, but it honestly should have been long, long, long before that. There shouldn't have ever been an issue to start with. Gay people, it just LGBTQ people generally, not just gay, are heavily ostracized or have historically been heavily ostracized in society. Still are very heavily. But it's been fucking bad in the past. And, and it still is bad in certain grades in school, for example. So I am glad to see society moving in a certain direction. Let me read the super chats real quick before we get off of here. Why do you assume God is a he? Couldn't God be a woman? That's a good question. The reason that I use the he pronoun is because I grew up with that pronoun and God is pretend anyways. So if I were going to buy into religion in any capacity, then maybe I'd put more thought into God's pronoun. But uh, I'm sorry to break this to everybody out there who's listening and who happens to be a Christian. There is no God. I apologize for that being a shocking revelation to you. But uh, yeah, there is no God. So uh, I use the pronoun that most of society uses, which happens to be he. Thank you for the super chat, Leah Bryant. I appreciate that. That was actually a good question. It was a good good way to enter into a segue about the discussion of atheism more generally. So thank you so much for that. I'll tell you what, that's where we're going to end it for the night. Thank you guys for coming, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.